Chapter twenty four of the Vicar of Wakefield. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tyg Hines. The Vicar of Wakefield by Oliver Goldsmith. Chapter twenty four. Fresh calamities. The next morning the sun rose with peculiar warmth for the season, so that we agreed to breakfast together on the honeysuckle bank, where, while we sat, my youngest daughter, at my request, joined her voice to the concert on the trees about us. It was in this place my poor Olivia first met her seducer, and every object served to recall her sadness. But that melancholy which is excited by objects of pleasure, or inspired by sounds of harmony, soothes the heart instead of corroding it. Her mother, too, upon this occasion, felt a pleasing distress, and wept and loved her daughter as before. "'Do, my pretty Olivia,' cried she, "'let us have that little melancholy air your papa was so fond of. Your sister Sophie has already obliged us. Do, child, it will please your old father.' She complied in a manner so exquisitely pathetic as moved me. When a lovely woman stoops to folly, and finds too late that men betray, What charm can soothe her melancholy, what art can wash her guilt away? The only art her guilt to cover, to hide her shame from every eye, To give repentance to her lover, and wring his bosom, is to die. As she was concluding the last stanza, to which an interruption in her voice from sorrow gave peculiar softness, the appearance of Mr. Thornhill's equipage at a distance alarmed us all, but particularly increased the uneasiness of my eldest daughter, who, desirous of shunning her betrayer, returned to the house with her sister. In a few minutes he was alighted from his chariot, and, making up to the place where I was still sitting, inquired after my health with his usual air of familiarity. "'Sir,' replied I, "'your present assurance only serves to aggravate the baseness of your character.' and there was a time when I would have chastised your insolence, for presuming thus to appear before me. But now you are safe, for age has cooled my passions, and my calling restrains them. I vow, my dear sir, returned he, I am amazed at all this, nor can I understand what it means. I hope you don't think your daughter's late excursion with me had anything criminal in it. Go, cried I, thou art a wretch, a poor pitiful wretch, and every way a liar but your meanness secures you from my anger. Yet, sir, I am descended from a family that would not have borne this. And so, thou vile thing, to gratify a momentary passion, thou hast made one poor creature wretched for life, and polluted a family that had nothing but honour for their portion. If she or you, returned he, are resolved to be miserable, I cannot help it. But you may still be happy, and whatever opinion you may have formed of me, you shall ever find me ready to contribute to it we can marry her to another in a short time and what's more she may keep her lover besides for i protest i shall ever continue to have a true regard for her i found all my passions alarmed at this new degrading proposal for though the mind may often be calm under great injuries little villainy can at any time get within the soul and sting it into rage avoid my sight thou reptile cried i nor continue to insult me with thy presence were my brave son at home, he would not suffer this, but I am old and disabled, and every way undone. I find, cried he, you are bent upon obliging me to talk in a harsher manner than I intended, but as I have shown you what may be hoped from my friendship, it may not be improper to represent what may be the consequences of my resentment. 
my attorney to whom your late bond has been transferred threatens hard nor do i know how to prevent the course of justice except by paying the money myself which as i have been at some expenses lately previous to my intended marriage is not so easy to be done and then my steward talks of driving for the rent it is certain he knows his duty for i never trouble myself with affairs of that nature yet still i wish to serve you and even to have you and your daughter present at my marriage which is shortly to be solemnized with miss wilmot it is even the request of my charming arabella herself whom i hope you will not refuse mr thornhill replied i hear me once for all as to your marriage with any but my daughter that i will never consent to and though your friendship could raise me to a throne or your resentment sink me to the grave yet i would despise both thou hast once woefully irreparably deceived me i reposed my heart upon thine honour and have found its baseness never more therefore expect friendship from me go and possess what fortune has given thee beauty riches health and pleasure go and leave me to want infamy disease and sorrow yet humble as i am shall my heart still vindicate its dignity and though thou hast my forgiveness thou shalt ever have my contempt if so returned he depend upon it you shall feel the effects of this insolence and we shall shortly see which is the fittest object of scorn you or me upon which he departed abruptly my wife and son who were present at this interview seemed terrified with the apprehension my daughters also finding that he was gone came out to be informed of the result of our conference which when known alarmed them not less than the rest but as to myself i disregarded the utmost stretch of his malevolence he had already struck the blow and now i stood prepared to repel every new effort like one of those instruments used in the art of war which however thrown still present a point to receive the enemy we soon however found that he had not threatened in vain for the very next morning his steward came to demand my annual rent which by the train of accidents already related i was unable to pay the consequence of my incapacity was his driving my cattle that evening and their being appraised and sold the next day for less than half their value my wife and children now therefore entreated me to comply upon any terms rather than to incur certain destruction they even begged me to admit his visits once more and used all their little eloquence to paint the calamities i was going to endure the terrors of a prison in so rigorous a season as present with the danger that threatened my health from the late accident that happened by the fire but i continued inflexible why my treasures cried i why will you thus attempt to persuade me to the thing that is not right my duty has taught me to forgive him but my conscience will not permit me to approve would you have me applaud to the world what my heart must internally condemn would you have me tamely sit down and flatter our infamous betrayer and to avoid a prison continually suffer the more galling bonds of mental confinement no never if we are to be taken from this abode only let us hold to the right and wherever we are thrown we can still retire to a charming apartment when we can look round our own hearts with intrepidity and with pleasure in this manner we spent that evening early the next morning as the snow had fallen in great abundance in the night my son was employed in clearing it away and opening a passage before the door he had not been thus engaged long when he came running in with looks all pale to tell us that two strangers whom he knew to be officers of justice were making towards the house 
Just as he spoke they came in, and approaching the bed where I lay, after previously informing me of their employment and business, made me their prisoner, bidding me to prepare to go with them to the county gale, which was eleven miles off. "'My friends,' said I, "'this is severe weather on which you have come to take me to a prison, and it is particularly unfortunate at this time, as one of my arms has lately been burnt in a terrible manner, and it has thrown me into a slight fever.' and i want clothes to cover me and i am now too weak and too old to walk far in such deep snow but if it must be so i then turned to my wife and children and directed them to get together what few things were left to us and to prepare immediately for leaving this place i entreated them to be expeditious and desired my son to assist his elder sister who from a consciousness that she was the cause of all our calamities was fallen and had lost anguish in insensibility i encouraged my wife who pale and trembling clasped our affrighted little ones in her arms that clung to her bosom in silence dreading to look round at the strangers in the meantime my youngest daughter prepared for our departure and as she received several hints to use dispatch in about an hour we were ready to depart. End of chapter 24